Welcome back to another episode of Leafs Talk Forever. Uh, the boys are back together. We got Kyle live with us again. Just came back from a trip in Halifax. Um, Kyle, tell us a little bit about Halifax. Yeah, so unfortunately, I really wanted to go see uh, the Mooseheads play. I'm sure just like you guys would, you're in a different uh, city, different place. You want to go check out the different arenas, different teams. Uh, unfortunately, how uh, the Mooseheads didn't play until Sunday. Uh, I think it was an afternoon game. My flight was Sunday, of course. So between uh, one, the Thursday morning and Sunday when I left, there was nothing, no games. So they were on the road. But, uh, yeah, overall, the city is so nice out there. Um, traffic's nowhere near as bad as Toronto. Um, the city's pretty nice. It's it's a lot nicer, I would say, um, Harbor Front um, versus, like, Toronto. Uh, harbor front um, less populated uh, a lot cleaner overall I'd say the trip was pretty good so definitely add to the list of places that I should go to oh I would yeah if you've never been out there you gotta you gotta try it at least once if you don't like it then um, by all means I respect your uh, decision but overall I'd say uh, you definitely like it I do want to go to Newfoundland so I can kiss the cod yeah, actually, to relate to that, um, so obviously Halifax is big for uh, their lobsters and stuff like that. So literally, as you leave the airport on your way uh, on your way back, you can literally buy a lobster, like a live lobster. They had a lobster tank. At least I thought <laughs> I thought that's what it was, but yeah, they had a so bunch of that... lobster stuffed animals and stuff too. Like you buy all that. <laughs> Are they cheap there? Or is it still I didn't look at the price because I felt like if I if I went over and looked at one, I would have to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you have it. Go to um, go to uh, Halifax for the uh, the lobsters. Am I still on with you guys? Yep. Okay. Uh, just because I got a FaceTime video on my on my laptop, I thought it was shut down, but um, okay. good. All right, so the Leafs just released their schedule. We're doing a quick pod because the Florida game, it's going to be a good game, fingers crossed. Uh, the Leafs just released their roster. Leafs just released the roster, and obviously they're going the 11-7. and seven. Riley, Sid, Shen's in, Brody's back. Um, <clears throat> your guys' takeaways, I didn't watch the Islanders game. I'll be real with you. So your guys' takeaways from the Islanders game, if you watched it. Yeah, I mean um... – I'll just start with a quick, uh, quick gist, and then Scott can add to it. Overall, first period they looked pretty solid. Um, I think the shots were just about even. Um, actually, no, they were shot by two. Uh, first period they didn't look too bad. Obviously, you know the Islanders are going to come out and bang. That's all their team does. They hit Clutterbuck. We know him for that. Um, yeah, first period wasn't bad. Lafferty got a goal. Second period they just looked awful, and then. Marner had some momentum in a third, getting them back to 3-2. And then from there, it was just terrible, and I shut my TV off. I uh, I honestly can say when it was 3-2, I was super amped. Like, I thought, like, when I, when I saw on my phone that it was 3-2, I was like, all right, here comes another comeback victory. And then I was just watching One Tree Hill with the fiancé and looked at my phone after the game, it was 7-2. Like what the fuck? 
So, Scott, yeah. give us an in-depth analysis on what happened. All right. Uh, so, like Kyle said, the first period was pretty good. I thought Toronto controlled a lot of the play up until, like, the last five-ish minutes where the Achari hit from behind happened. Um, I'd argue it wasn't necessarily – should have been a penalty because the guy was turning, but I wouldn't have been mad if they did give him a penalty because it technically was a hit from behind. Uh, but it went uncalled, and then the Mitch Marner tripping call, and then the Islanders coach was having a hissy fit on the bench, which I think is the turning point of the game because the second period rolled around and uh, Toronto didn't seem to have the same uh, impact as they did in the first period. There was a lot of penalties that should have been called that went uncalled. I think stemming from the fact that uh, the Islanders coach was mad and the ref didn't really want to get into it with him. So if they would have called a penalty, it probably would have led to a thing and then they would have had to explain and yada, yada, yada. Uh, But yeah, like Kyle said, first period was good. After that, they kind of went downhill a bit. Uh, Second period was, I wouldn't say even. Islanders, I think, had control for more than the Leafs, but it wasn't as bad as the third period. And then, yeah, the third period was just horrible. Uh, Sheldon Keith pulled a goalie when they were down by two with six minutes left. And then the Islanders scored an empty net goal, and then they continued to push and scored another one. Uh, yeah, Toronto just didn't have it in that third period. Um, a lot have been made. A lot has been made of uh, the two turnovers that Lilligren won, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Morgan Riley. I think Morgan Riley. I watched the replay. I think Morgan Riley. A lot of people are saying it was Mitch Marner's fault. Um, the one thing I I think that like when I watched that little highlight was, uh, uh, it seemed to me that Morgan Riley was trying to basically, um, it almost seemed like when he got the puck, he was going to like try and power his way through, but he was going to be met by a wall of like three or four others players. So I think that he was too far, too fast for the puck. Uh, but after the game, Mitch Marner came out and said that he should have dumped it in, uh, in terms of giveaways, takeaways, what would you, what do you think? Were they actually takeaways well, I mean, obviously not their giveaways, but do you think that Toronto had too many takeaways slash giveaways in that game? Yeah. I think going into the third period, they had like 14. And then like most of them were like blatant, trying to dump the puck out of the zone right to Islanders players or or just not completing the passes right to Islanders players. Or a couple of them, like the Lilligren one, seemed like the ice was a little bit, I wouldn't say messed up, but like maybe soft or whatever, because there was a lot of, even the Islanders players sometimes were like, the puck seemed to be getting stuck or they would be fanning on the passes or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'd say Toronto definitely had a problem with giveaways that game. It wasn't just um, overstated as a means to show that Toronto was bad. Like it was bad. There was a nice giveaway. I don't know, Scott, if you saw a hundred percent, I I don't know if it was the stanchion or the ref that it hit, but that was, that was a nice giveaway that led right to a goal right in front. That sloppy little play there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, when they came back on from commercial, they, they showed it. It hit off uh, Nolachari's stick. He had to, For some reason, he had a stick up in the air uh, when he was oh. like along the boards right by the ref, and it hit off his stick and went right back to the Islanders player, and then they scored. Because I remember okay. Gord Miller and Mike Johnson were arguing. Well, not arguing, but like debating of whether it hit the ref or the stanchion. Yeah, they kept saying uh, the ref, I'm pretty sure. And then they were yeah. going back, yeah, back and forth. And Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, when they came back on from commercial, they showed it. It like I guess when he went to nudge the Islanders player, his stick got caught up along like the this, the lip of the where the glass meets the actual boards, 
and the puck hit a stick and bounced back towards the net, towards the Islander player. Um. So, okay, so let's take that game. Let's look ahead to the Florida Panthers game. Islanders came in looking for a win, uh, hoping to get a win because of the race. The Islanders are – Florida's going to also be coming in hoping and slash wanting that win. Um, do you think that Toronto – do you think Toronto's going to get beaten down because Florida can play a very uh, tough physical game? Do you think that Toronto has um, uh, the the ads that they made in the at the deadline ha- will uh, improve their chances of winning this game, or do you think that it will be like uh, the last game where Toronto got beaten down? I think Toronto did win that game actually, but they they were phys- physically um, like dominated. I don't think we see the Leafs tonight like we did the other night. Um... Florida, I know they need points, and they're very desperate for points. Um, one point out of the wild card, I believe. But they are coming off of a loss against the Flyers. They lost 6-3. A um, little bit uh, not not very good game against the Flyers. Um, I know they outshot the Flyers 44-23, to but, like, still... Um, can't be losing the Flyers six three when uh, when you're in a playoff hunt and there's limited amount of games left. So uh, to answer your question, I think the Panthers will be able to play like a physical game and all that, but I think uh, I think the Leafs will squeeze one out tonight. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say the same thing Kyle said, but for the Leafs and that. They got humiliated by the Islanders. The third period chance that the Islanders were slinging out to towards John Tavares, uh, I thought would have been motivation enough. But then I remembered it is the Leafs, and they don't usually motivate themselves for games like that. So hopefully they win. But I have a feeling that they're probably going to play similar to the way they played against the Islanders, and uh, Florida will come away with the win. So if you look at the standings right now, uh. Islanders and Pittsburgh have 82 and 80 points, respectively. Um, Florida has 79. Pittsburgh and Florida both have 71 games played. So, realistically, Tron could do Pittsburgh a great deal of help if they just beat the Panthers tonight. And the most important thing about the Panthers not making the playoffs is? I'm right. I am, unfortunately, going to end this year after a long fall battle being incorrect with my prediction that Buffalo be a wildcard team. Kyle was wrong legitimately that night that he made the prediction. Yeah. Malkin signed with Pittsburgh right after we got off this podcast. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and so Scott is the only person left. Part of me hopes that Philly or Florida does make it just so that I can say, you suck to Scott. But at the same time, it would be nice to have some kind of, um, I guess, uh, I don't even know the word. Accuracy, I guess, on this podcast. I was hoping so, you guys would yeah. have forgot about my prediction, to be honest. No, oh, no, Scott I reminds me literally every day. <laughs> okay, I, I, will never, uh, I won't ever hear, hear the end of it, the last. <laughs> Almost like that time that randomly you started playing this uh, strange noise in the background. Or that time that I said, hey, Kyle, what's that noise? And you said, my fucking mama's vacuuming. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I've had some talks with my mother since then. Uh, there's no longer vacuuming in my household Thursday nights. 
anytime between six and ten. Perfect. Um, okay, so to be honest, uh, let's hit a- I made that prediction. Oh, sorry. I made that prediction thinking that Florida was going to be the top team in the Eastern Conference again, and hope that like it was just a stab in the dark because I didn't have anything else to say. And then somehow it's turning out for me. So plus five hundred. Yeah, don't listen to this guy, Kyle. This guy always says that kind of stuff. To be honest, I actually didn't know that, and then it just turns out. Uh, yeah. Just okay. Well, first of all, no one would have expected Florida to not make the playoffs after the season that last year. This was before all the trades they made, too. This was before all the trades they made. No, Elliot Freeman. All the players leaving in free agency. Yeah, Elliot Freeman also said, "I'm going to write a name on a piece of paper, and Toronto's going to trade for this guy 100 percent of the deadline," and then it never happened. So, um, even when I made the, he probably did the same thing you did. What? You probably just wait till the day I had to reveal and then just wrote a name down. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. But even when I made the prediction on the podcast, you guys were giving me grief saying that's the dumbest thing you could have ever said. <laughs> yeah, actually, to be honest with you, I thought the only one that was going to be accurate, no offense, Kyle, was you. Wow. Like, I thought Kyle was going to be the one that was bang on. And then nice. literally as soon as we hit uh, Leaf Studio on the podcast, Look at my phone. I'm getting Malkin signs long term. I'm just like, Kyle's a plug. That one hurts. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's take a quick break. I got something interesting uh, and a little bit fun to talk about just for the last little bit of 15 minutes of the podcast. I know I apologize. We apologize. It's only going to be like half an hour, but we want to watch the Florida game. Uh, so let's qu- take a quick pause and we'll be back after these words for a little bit of fun. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at even bigger payouts. DraftKings will feature parlays and odd boos all tournament long, so be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. The NCAA tournament is usually one for underdogs. Now that Duke is beat down, I'll probably turn my attention to cheering for Princeton. They're the 15th seed. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and set on both code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details. All right, we are back. And the interesting, fun uh, segment that I have is the NHL 2022-23 NHL, sorry, NHLPA player polls. Um, They they asked 626 NHL players on 14 uh, related questions during the regular season. So uh, I'm going to quiz you guys on who was the number one. And then, well, you guys can say the answer. Like I'll ask you, for example, the first one is going to be if you needed a, uh, to win a one, uh, sorry, if you need to win one game, who is the goal you want on your team? There's obviously five of them. And you guys have to tell me uh, who you think number one is. And then if you get, say, for example, you picked Peck Evrine, I would say, He's third. Uh, and then I'll do this for all of them. Hmm? Are we saying who we think would be number one, or are we saying who we think number one is? Uh, well, y- you can choose to say as if you're a player, and then I'll just tell 
you where they are on the list. And if you guys don't actually guess the number one, I'll tell you the number one. Okay. Already? Yep. Okay. So on ice, this is the on ice segment. If you need one win in a game, who is the goalie you would want on your team? Scott? I mean, strictly for this season, I think I'd go with uh, Igor Shesterkin. Okay, and Kyle? I'd say Allmark. Allmark, okay. So, uh, 600 votes. Um, Igor Shesterkin was number two. Surprisingly, Elias Allmark wasn't on this list. Um, And Andre Vasilevsky was number one with 314 of the votes. Uh, I don't know where they only show you the top five. I don't know where Lionel Mark was. And and this isn't uh, based off of this year. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Oh. It's supposed to be like they they always ask at the end of the year, so then they can kind of go by who like who's the best passer in the league this year, kind of thing. Like that's what's supposed to be like. But Lionel Mark wasn't on. One was Vasilevsky. Two was Shesterkin. Three was Flurry. Four was Hellebuck, and five was Sorokin. Wow. So um, basically, they're saying that Olmark like. If he wasn't on Boston, he'd be crap. Yeah, probably. I mean, okay. that kind of was evident because when he was on Buffalo, I always yeah. just measured Linus Olmark as Linus from uh, whatever, Charlie Brown. Um, <laughs> in, a, think, in a must, pardon me? I think the, especially the Flurry one is based on reputation, though, no? Yeah. Yeah, because the technically a... they're basing it on this year, Sorokin should be number one. Well, yeah. Like Sorokin, but... Sorokin and Olmark. He's having a good season. I think he has what twenty three wins or whatever. But I think the last couple of years he should not have even have been a like. I think they're basing it on, especially even. Um, I don't. I think you guys mentioned Vasilevsky. Like he shouldn't be number one this year, but because he's been arguably the best goalie in the league the last ten years, people are always going to vote him as number one. And I'm just saying this. So other goaltenders got thirty two percent of the votes. Sturkin got 4.8, Flurry got 4, Hellebuck got 3.5, Sorokin got 3.2, Vasilevsky got 52.3% of all the votes. That's absurd. Okay, we got to move on so we can go quick. And a must-win game, which forward uh, do you think would be the most impactful? Kyle? McDavid. Okay, Scott? Yeah, McDavid. Okay, so McDavid received all uh, – sorry, first uh, first place he received 59.3%, then Crosby, then McKinnon, then Kudrov, then Patricia Bergeron, then Austin Matthews. I don't um, know how this season you don't vote McDavid. Yeah. He, vote, he got 355 of 599 votes. Uh, who was the top defenseman in the game? Scott? Uh, Kyle McCarr. Kyle? I agree. Yeah, you got a sixty-three point nine percent of the votes. Uh, Hedman, Yossi, Carlson, Fox, and Erasmus Dahlin. He got four hundred of six hundred and fifteen votes. This one confused me a little bit when I heard on the radio today. So, be prepared. Who was the best stick handler? Stick. Wow. Who was the best stick handler? Scott, Kyle. I don't know who. Whoever went last answers first. I mean, are we talking like Deking or? Oh, Kyle went last last time. It doesn't matter. Just say it. Just go. Um, Patrick Kane. Oh, sorry, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Scott. uh, I don't. That's the thing. That's what confused me. I don't know if they're talking about deking breakaways. Just in general, there's no there's no description. 
because there's a difference in stick handling between like a Trevor Zegers and a Nikita Kucherov. So, like, are we just generalized all of it combined into one player? I guess I'm not. I I, I honestly do not know. All right. Well, I'll say Trevor Zegers. And Kyle said Patrick Kane. Yeah. All right. So Patrick Kane was number one. He got forty six point one percent of the votes. McDavid. McKinnon, Zegers got 3.6. He comes in at fourth, and then Kucherov. This one is really, really shocking, and I think you guys will know. Uh, you won't know who the winner is, but you'll know why. I was shocked by this. Who is the best passer? Scott? Uh, I mean, bias, I guess, but I, Mitch Marner. Okay, Kyle? Yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. Okay, so this is the one that absolutely blew my top. The best passer in the NHL, Leon Dreisaitl, 25% of the votes. Patrick Kane was two. Kucherov was three. Panarin was four. McDavid was five. Arguably the best passer in the NHL is Mitch Marner, and he didn't make the list. Is is Patrick Kane known as a passer? I thought he was Um, known as a goal scorer. I thought he was just, to be honest with you, like a dangler. So, yeah, uh, Mitch Marner didn't make the list. 36% of the uh, the votes came from other players, though. Another one that confuses me. Who is the most complete player? I don't know who went last, so I'll just say Kyle. Um, Matthews? Okay, Scott? Uh, Sidney Crosby. Yep. So Sidney Crosby got three percent of the votes, then Patrice Bergeron, and then Alexander Barkov, then McDavid, then McKinnon. McDavid. The thing that kind of <laughs> yeah. Pardon me. How did McDavid get votes? That's what but confused Matthews me. Matthews didn't. Yeah, I know. That's what confused me. Was like McDavid is well, like not like, he's got not votes. a twenty four player. He just Pardon wasn't five. I said Matthews could have got votes. He just wasn't top five. Yeah, eighteen point two seven percent was other votes. Uh, Crosby continues to be reserved uh, reserved as the game's most complete player. He has won it four consecutive seasons. Hmm. Uh, okay, um, which player do you least enjoy playing against? Or sorry, which player do you least enjoy playing against, but would like on your team? Scott. Connor McDavid. Kyle? Ryan Reeves. Yeah, so this one confused me. Kyle went into the direction as which I would have thought. Um, so number one was Brad Marchand. I thought it would have meant like who's basically the biggest dick or who's the toughest guy. Uh, Brad Marchand was number one with 36.5, then McDavid, then Tom Wilson, then Matthew Kachuk, then Victor Hedman. I was a little confused because I thought it would have been like, I don't know, let's just even say like a, a like a Luke Shen, you know what I mean? Like someone that just is terrorizing, but no, it was just all around. Uh, who affects the game most around the net, forward or defense? So tipping, deflections, rebounds. Uh, keep in mind, they're all forwards. Scott? Uh, uh, I'd probably say Chris Kreider. Okay. Kyle? Uh, Brady Kachuk. 
I was I thought Brady Kachuk as well. Joe Pavelski was number one, 21.4. Uh, Chris Kreider, Matthew Kachuk, Andres Lee, McKinnon. Or sorry, McDavid. I would have thought Brady Kachuk would have made this list too, but no. Um, sorry, just uh, – okay, this one also kind of pisses me off. I think you guys know the answer, but who is the most underrated player? You guys know the answer because I put in the group chat. Oh, is this the uh, Barkov? Uh, Bar- Barkov is the answer, but in your guys' opinion, who is the most underrated? Oh, uh, oh, uh, maybe Nylander. Nylander, okay, Kyle. I have no idea. See, like, I I could be biased here and say something like from my team, but like, I don't know. I have no idea. So you want me to reveal them? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so Barkoff was number one, Tage Thompson, Mika Zabinajad, Sebastian Ajo, Braden Point, and Jesper Bratt. Four of those five players make sense. Andres or Augs Bar- uh, Barkov, this guy makes $11 million. How is he underrated? I wouldn't say Tage Thompson deserves to be there. People it's rant and rave about him. Yeah. Yeah, but like people ranting and raving about him all season. That doesn't make, that doesn't make you underrated. Well, that's like, true. To me, underrated would mean like a player who's having a good season but nobody's talking about, or a player who perennial has good seasons but nobody considers amongst the top or even elite level of, of talent. Like that's Tage true. Thompson, I would put everybody considers Tage Thompson one of the best players in the league this season. Yeah, so I think this is, if I'm not mistaken, I think Barkov's won this award eight years in a row. How can um, he continue to win it? I don't know. That's what I'm also confused about. He's he's the he's ranked eight seasons in a row the most underrated player. I feel like besides maybe Sabinajad, the other four are all based in like it seemed like market. Yeah, like Braden Point. They've got yeah. Kudrovs. Well, that's funny because Braden Point's and, like Toronto's William Nylander. Yeah, and like Florida doesn't unless they're like really good. They don't usually draw a lot of buzz or or fans going to games, so maybe when the players go there, they see a partially empty stadium and just think, you guys don't know what you have in this player, so they just see as a undervalued in that manner. Yeah. Don't know, buddy, but 61.2% of the votes came from other players. Okay, we got to move quick because we only got a couple more minutes. Uh, which female hockey player, current or past, would you most like to play alongside? Uh, Kyle? Probably. Oh, oh, Scott, whoever. Uh, I was just going to say Haley Wick. <laughs> yeah. Okay, boys. All right. <laughs> Great minds think alike there. Yeah. <laughs> I said the same. <laughs> you guys both said Haley Wickenizer. All right. Number one, my personal choice would have been uh, Mira, Mira, uh, Mary Philippe Poulin because, like, come on, she's a rock star. She was number one at 27%. Hillary Knight, Haley Wickenizer, Amanda Kessel hot dog eater, and Kendall Coyne Schofield. I also would have put Sarah Nurse up there, but anyways. Uh, And the last question for you before we wrap this pod up is what NHL arena has the best ice? 
I know this is a little bit hard for us to predict because we don't play in the NHL, but. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I'll just say Toronto, I guess. Okay, Toronto, Kyle. On NHL. (laughs) Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to pick a random team here and go Pittsburgh. All right, so I was a little shocked by this one. You think best ice, cold arena, cold uh, environment kind of thing, you know what I mean? So number one was Montreal. That makes sense. Number two was Edmonton. That makes sense. Edmonton's won this award like five years in a row before Montreal won this year. Then Winnipeg makes sense. Minnesota, that also makes sense, close to Winnipeg. Number five, Las Vegas. They have to have some mm. kind of refrigeration system because that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like, so here's a question then: of of those five teams, how like almost all of them have new arenas, right? Edmonton, uh, the Rogers Center old. isn't new. Who's that? Edmonton. Well, the Bell Center. I don't know how long they're they've been. But Twenty years. Isn't, isn't hasn't didn't Edmonton get a new arena like six years ago? Yeah, oh, there's what? pretty new. They had Rexall a center before, and then oh, yeah. they got Rogers Rogers Place, I think it's called. Yeah, it's Rogers something. No, Rogers Arena yeah. is the same as Rexall or Rexall. It's it's twenty eight years old. What? Yeah, but wasn't they the built a brand new one? The current Edmonton. Oh, that's why I put Rogers Arena, not Rogers Place. Uh Rogers Arena might be yeah. a, a Vancouver, Seven years. actually. Rogers Arena is Vancouver, yeah, my bad. Yeah, you're right. Um, so, so, yeah, it's Florida Rogers. Uh, the Bell Center. Um, I got a point to add whenever you're done. Yep. Um, so, what you named Edmonton, you named Winnipeg, you named uh, Montreal, you named... Minnesota. Minnesota and Vegas. Vegas. Okay. Every team other than Vegas there, I'm pretty sure doesn't have to swap from basketball to hockey or any of that. Like Montreal, they might have a concert every once in a while, but um, like Vegas, they do a lot of UFC fights um, and other, cause it's Vegas, right? Everyone's yeah. going there for shows and stuff. Like, um, but like Minnesota, you you've got the the Wild and their uh, I think their college team even plays there, right? Um, yeah, you've got for the Oilers, you don't have any other, you don't have any basketball teams. All those other places, you don't really have any basketball. Actually, I don't know if the Timberwolves play at the same. No, they I don't play Target. They, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all those teams, they I don't think they have any basketball. Uh, no, that's actually I've never heard anyone make that point, but that's valid. Like they're not sw- switching between ice and, um, like basketball courts all the time, right? Yeah, that's the only um, thing I can. And think also, of. yeah, that that's that makes sense. Yeah, because no team that actually switches is on the list. I never actually thought about that. Um, and just quickly, because there's two more questions. Uh, the Bell Center is 27 years old. Okay, so just quickly here, we got off ice stuff. So, which city is the uh, which NHL? Sorry, which is the best NHL road city to have a day off in? Kyle, 
I'd say Vegas or Florida. Not Florida, actually. Florida. One of those two. One of those two. Uh, New York. All right. So Vegas was number one. Uh, New York, Florida, L.A., Nashville. Weirdly enough, I'm pretty sure Florida won this award like 10 years in a row, and then Vegas took over, and then New York beat Florida, which is confusing. And lastly, because the hot game is starting, which NHL player is the best um, uh, best locker room guy? I'd probably say Bergeron. Bergeron? Kyle? I'll say Crosby. Surprisingly, neither of those two were on the list. Number one was Marc-Andre Fleury. Two, Phil Kessel. Three, Kevin Hayes. Four, Jacob Voracek with the Arizona Coyotes because he's always around their arena. Um, four, uh, four, Ryan Johansson. Uh, sorry, is this top six? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, this one's top six. Uh, and Nick Felino was number six. That's such a random list. Yeah, and then Lasley was best shoe game, but who cares? Awesome as he's won it, but I'm not judging people on their shoes, so. But yeah, uh, I just thought that we don't have a lot to talk about on this podcast, so it was kind of fun to go over. Um, if I would have known that that was happening, I would have got us to do that pre-vote, but we don't even got to discuss it. So, um, yeah, uh, anything else to add? Nope, I don't got anything. I'm watching the start of the game as we speak. Perfect. All right. So uh, check out our website. Check out our social media. Check out the Hockey Podcast Network, which we're in partnership with. Uh, Use the DraftKings promo code THPN. Win some money. It is March Madness, and I think we're on to the Sweet 16 shortly. Maybe now. I I haven't really been following it. Uh, Either way, go Duke. And uh, we'll see you next week.